This is Dan Wilson Uncancelled. Let's go. Now, the fight to protect biological women is well and truly on. No, as brave I, I gender was, activists but... launch Respect My Sex, if you want my ex, the most important feminist movement since the suffragettes, in my opinion. As the feisty campaigners demand politicians to find what a biological female is, it's great to have them on uh, my show for their first TV interview last Thursday. My next guest was well ahead of her time on this issue, which should be straightforward, but has become contentious. So in 2020, legendary former Women's Hour presenter Dame Jenny Murray found herself shunned by the BBC after almost 50 years of service for daring to publicly challenge the mainstream narrative on gender identity. So Jenny first started to feel the BBC leash tightening when she wrote a trailblazing article calling for trans activists just to acknowledge the difference between sex and gender and a trans woman and a woman. She was branded a turf on social media and sent all kinds of threats, but what shocked her most was the response by the BBC. Uh, given a public ticking off, Jenny was informed that she was not able to chair any discussions on the trans question or the proposed changes to the Gender Recognition Act. A debate listeners were desperately calling out for, and I'm delighted to say uh, that she's away from Auntie's suffocating embrace <laughs> and is here now to let loose. Dame Jenny Murray, great to have you back. You were certainly ahead of your time on this one, weren't you? I was. It was five, was it five years ago? Mm, well, six years time. ago, yeah. I wrote that article. And, and what had made me so cross, uh, at this whole question of what is a real woman, you know, is a trans woman a woman? And then the whole language started to change. And it was suddenly chest feeding and not mm. breast feeding. And, and I thought, hang on a minute, no, you know, they can't change the language that we have lived with for years. And that's what really made me cross at the beginning. And as things have gone on, I have got crosser and crosser. And more and more surprised because none of us have been horrible about trans people. We've said, no. you know, as JK Quite Rowling the opposite, said, actually. Absolutely. Clearly at the beginning, you know, love who you want, go to bed with who you want if they'll have you. We don't care about that, but do be clear that there is a difference between sex and gender and stop trying to ease us, women who fought so hard for our rights, out of our safe spaces. And this campaign mm. has the most brilliant title I yes. think I've ever heard. Whoever thought that up was a genius. Respect my sex if you want my ex. In other words, my ex on the ballot paper. Because so many politicians have not really known what to say on this question. Well, I know... I, I, I think you've got some examples. Yeah, I, I want to I play you some, Jenny, because they're quite shocking. You can react off the back, so have a look at this. OK. She's a woman. Well, I thought the Prime Minister uh, answered this brilliantly in Prime Minister's Question Times. In Prime Minister's Questions this week, and I fully agree with him. Wait, and so what is your definition of a woman? Uh, as I said, I would exactly agree with what the Prime Minister said at Prime Minister's question time. When we're having a social media or a debate around whether someone's, what genitalia someone's got, I think it really debases the serious issues that people face. A I woman can't have a penis. I don't think that um, discussing this issue in this way helps anyone in the long run. People are 
complex, that they that and that they are different. Well, I have to say that there are different definitions legally around what a woman actually is. I mean, you look at the definition within the Equality Act, and I think it just says um, uh, someone who is um, adult and female, I think, but then doesn't say how you define either of those things. Is it transphobic to say only women have a cervix? Is it is it transphobic? Look, I just I don't even know how to start answering these questions. A woman says, I I don't know how to answer that question because, of course, only a woman can have a cervix, just as only a man can have a penis. And yes, you know, there will be some trans people who will have genital surgery. You don't manufacture your sex. Your sex is what you are born with. It's in your chromosomes. It's right the way through your body. Uh, and it often determines how people react to you. You know, a lot of expectations are placed on men to be very masculine and manly. And a lot of expectations are placed on women to be very feminine and very female. Uh, and not all of us are, regardless of what our sex is. But our sex is our sex. Our gender is how we perceive ourselves or how we're perceived by people outside. And these people really need to be absolutely clear. They're politicians. They will make the laws. We totally depend upon them to make the laws. And we women have fought for years Mm. and years and years to get safe spaces. I, you know, I went to the theatre not very long ago and I'm not a prude at all. And, you know, I have a husband and two sons who have grown up. I know men very, very well. <laughs> but I went to the toilet and it was a gender mm. anybody toilet. Mm. And it did have individual cubicles. So, you know, you weren't walking past guys who were at a urinal. The door opened as I was coming out of the loo and this guy was coming in through the door and he was unzipping his fly. And I thought, that is not right. You shouldn't do that. And and no one really wants it. That's the bizarre thing. So, So we're changing society in so many ways, actually, for something that the majority don't want. I absolutely agree with you. Um, I've been thinking, you know, with this new campaign, um, I just hope it gets to people in Barnsley, say, which is where I'm from. I can just imagine the response of some of the women on Barnsley Market who say to, let's say, Keir Starmer, you know, who's the leader of the Labour Party, who really didn't know quite what to say about what is a woman. And if one of these women... Says him, what is a woman? And he says, well, it's complicated, isn't it? I can just imagine the abuse yes. that's going to come out at him. Well, how and, can he be Prime Minister in all seriousness while maintaining that position? Well, he can't. But I think the Labour Party are beginning to be aware mm. that you know, middle-aged women are the voters that they really need. They're desperate for middle-aged and older women to vote for. Much older, Jim. (laughs) Um, 
And they're going to lose yeah. huge numbers of votes if they can't be mm. sensible about the difference between well, sex and, and, and gender. And that's why I think this campaign is, is so effective, because the organisers are encouraging folk to when the council representative or the potential council representative or the person running for MP knocks on your door, just ask them one question. Just say, what is a woman? And if they can't answer adult, human, female, you probably know you're not going to want to vote for them. But it also gets through their head that they have to look at this issue and take it seriously. They do, because it, it has been handled appallingly over a number of years. Um, and I'm just dying for somebody to come and knock on my door. I know, I want it to happen I, too, because really I'm going to have my phone it. at the ready. Uh, Jenny, can I just ask, finally, uh, about the BBC? Because, of course, I, I introduced you by talking about that time you at did the BBC. Indeed. When it's a they long made time that ago, decision. You know? And it is a long time ago. But the reason I want to touch on it is because I just wonder if, looking back now, you are more convinced that that was the wrong decision and if the BBC needs to start having these conversations on Women's Hour, which is something that they backed it's, away from. It's beginning to happen. It, it, you know, I listen to the programme a lot still. I didn't for about a year. It was, you know, when you've done something for 33 years and loved every minute of it. It's odd, it's, isn't it's it? It's yeah. really hard to listen to somebody else doing it and it being slightly different. But I, I've started listening again. I've listened to Women's Hour all my life or presented it. Uh, it's always been very much a part of my life and they are now beginning to discuss these things. Um, and it needs to be talked about. But what we really need is to get sensible trans women with yeah. sensible women. And let's have some sort of discussion where we work out how we work through this business, because you cannot have trans women going into changing rooms where there are girls. In fact, the, the guides today have announced that they are going to change their policy on allowing trans girls to go to camp. So they're looking at it. I do have a feeling that things are just moving in the right yeah. Fingers crossed. Well, look, you were at the forefront of it, Dame Jenny Murray. So it was absolutely brilliant to have you on this, and we'll speak again very soon. Thank you. That was the journalist and, of course, the Daily Mail columnist now, Dame Jenny Murray. What the Farage time now, and nearly two years on from taking office, there are growing fears it's not just US foreign policy that seems to be on a downward trajectory. Questions have been raised yet again over President Biden's cognitive capabilities thanks to a round of videos from a White House Easter event at the weekend. So here's the leader of the free world being told he's not allowed to read a children's book before being ordered by his wife Jill to stay when she had finished. OK, so I'm going to quickly read... Brown bear, brown bear, so you're all not soaking wet. And they're not going to let me read it all. <laughs> I'll let you, here, you can start us off. <laughs> okay, just stay. She, she's telling me, just sit, don't move. <laughs> she's a teacher. I'm the teacher, you know. She's a teacher. Oh, it gets weirder. Later on, none other than the Easter Bunny, who it turns out was actually 
A Biden communications bot in disguise was scrambled to pull the president away after he went on a tangent about Pakistan and Afghanistan. He was also reminded to wave as he and the First Lady finished a speech from the White House balcony. Goodness me, so with the president needing close supervision at a kid's event, should Democrats entertain invoking the 25th Amendment for the good of America and the world, actually? Doing so would give VP Kamala Harris and the cabinet power to remove Biden with a majority vote if he's deemed no longer fit to stand. The 25th Amendment has only been used three times before, including in July 1985, when President Reagan ordered George H.W. Bush to take the reins for eight hours while he underwent colon surgery. Now, Nigel Farage thinks we've reached that desperate stage, and he joins me now. Nigel, you look at those clips from over the weekend, something's wrong, something's seriously wrong. Yes, I mean, look, you know, he just looks like an old duffer. Um, and in one way, we can feel sorry for him, because, yes. Yes. you know, we all know uh, people, friends, family that have been through this terrible decline that dementia is and it's a dreadful thing and, and i'm not even gonna, i'm not even going to make a joke of it because it's just no. a bit sad to witness but here's the real point about why the 25th should be moved the man has become a danger to world peace not just the decision to unilaterally withdraw from afghanistan uh, to literally hand the country back to the very taliban we'd fought and we've been part of it too for 20 years but on his visit recently you know, he met those American troops in Poland, said to them, oh, you'll see how hard these Ukrainian guys fight when you get there. What? Uh, when, when there was talk of chemical weapons being employed, he said we would respond with chemical weapons. I mean, you know, he is actually dangerous. And I don't even think Putin, to be frank, would have invaded Ukraine if it wasn't for the fact that he saw huge weakness in the Western world. So the man isn't just an old duffer. He's a danger to world peace. And the 25th really should be moved. Now, here's the bizarre thing. The Democrats won't do it because they fear Kamala Harris is even more incompetent <laughs> and even more unpopular than Biden. And the Republicans aren't calling for it because despite the threat to world peace, through this man's idiocy, they want him in place for the midterms because they know it's going to be a rout. And the odd thing about it is, Dan, when Trump was in office, any outlandish comment Trump made was immediately called, followed by the New York Times and CNN saying the 25th should be moved. So what you've got, and I was over in America last week for a couple of days, what you've got are quietly round the back of their hands, people saying the 25th should be moved, but no one daring to say it publicly. But I think it's obvious, it's clear for all to see. And so many times now, you know, he's answering a question, he wanders off in a different direction. I mean, frankly, it's pretty pitiful stuff. 
Indeed, and I'm glad you mentioned the media, Nigel, because there's a dereliction of duty going on from them, isn't there? As you say, they were all over Trump, who we know years on from office is actually very mentally capable, very physically healthy these days as well. Yet the left-wing media in America, and let's be honest, that's the vast majority of the media in America, yeah. aren't talking about this. Well, it isn't just media. I mean, you know, we, we, we mustn't ever for one moment forget the power and the import of social media. I mean, just think about the Hunter Biden laptop. Think about the things that were on that laptop. Money from Moscow. I mean, that doesn't get talked about one little bit. Uh, extraordinary contracts with Ukraine, with China. Um, and the New York Times actually recently admitted that it was all true. And yet Twitter... You see, Twitter stopped the New York Post from publishing these stories. Uh, I mean, it was, uh, in many ways, it was the, the most unfair election you have ever seen. Now, look, you know, I know that Donald Trump's style isn't everybody's, and I get it. You know, he's a New Yorker, he's brash, and he's all those things. Uh, but really, you know, let's pray. Let's pray that Elon Musk puts together a consortium to take over Twitter, um, and we actually get some genuine, fair, free speech back into American politics, because my goodness me, it's needed. And of course, Dan, as you know, as well as I do, where America leads, we'd follow. Musk gets, I mean, Musk has got to get Twitter. It's a really, this is a really, really important moment. So you think the future of free speech for the entire Western world could, could be relying on this? I think this is a very major moment. I mean, I, I mean, look, you know, I'm very pleased to see Parler, Getter, and um, other social media channels that have set up and are trying uh, to redress the balance. But the fact is, the inbuilt advantage that Twitter have already is so enormous. And the same applies to Facebook. The same applies to Instagram, uh, TikTok. Don't even start me. Um, you know, and 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 there is no doubt. You're on TikTok now. <laughs> I am on TikTok and I have no choice but to be on TikTok because how else, Dan, can I speak yeah. to the, the sort of 16 to 24-year-old yeah. generation? And I want to do that. And I want to engage them in that. And I want to challenge them on many of the prejudices that they have. And I'm rather enjoying it, actually. Um, but and I'm also actually, by the way, quite pleasantly surprised despite what they've been taught in school, college and university, how many young people actually do have very sensible, proper views? I mean, it, it's actually rather encouraging when you start getting into that space and having that debate. Look, you know, we want, if, if we believe in democracy as a principle, there have to be some ground rules on both sides. There, ha there has to be the ability for both sides to speak freely to the great public who can then make decisions. So, yeah, I, you know, as I say, I wish all the challenges well, but Twitter is a very, not for ordinary folk living their lives, but in terms of setting the media agenda, Twitter is very, very important. And, and I must say, I, I really believe that Musk is, is, is turning into something of a hero mm -hmm. for the values that we at GB News believe in and fight for um, and, you know, good for him and good luck to him too. And it could level up the playing field ahead, Nigel, of a potential Trump run in 2024. Is that what you're expecting? 
Well, I was at Mar-a-Lago. Um, I was at Mar-a-Lago. I saw the photo. I saw the photo. Um, yes, <laughs> I, I, I got to tell you, he he was. I mean, Trump. He was just in the best form I have ever seen him. I mean, look at him. You know, <laughs> and uh, and uh, I mean, he honestly. He's looking fitter, healthier, sharper than I think I've ever seen him. Um, now, obviously, you know he's not going to say that he's going to run again because that starts to start regulatory clocks going and, and, and financial clocks going and all the rest of it. And I would never reveal any private conversation with the 45th president of the USA, but I will say this, he's running. <laughs> you heard it here first. Nigel Farage with brilliant insight into what could be one heck of an election in 2024. Thank you so much, Nigel. We'll speak next week. And of course, Nigel back seven o'clock tomorrow night here on GB News. Now, time for The Outsider with Anne Whittakam. And if you thought tearing down statues and renaming roads was the peak of the BLM movement, think again. A London park named after four-time Prime Minister William Gladstone could be rebranded Diane Abbott Park by a woke Labour councillor as part of its slavery review. In a move uh, that's been branded indoctrination by Tory critics, lefty loons at Brent Town Hall could rename the 121-year-old Gladstone Park in tribute to the 35-year career politician who was more famed, let's be honest, for her trouble with arithmetic than stepping foot anywhere near government. While he spoke out for slave traders early in his career, Gladstone later described slavery as the foulest crime in history and approved of its abolition. So, Anne Whittakim, I mean, <laughs> Diane Abbott Park? Seriously, is this peak woke? Is this peak woke, Anne? Well, it's certainly peak madness. I mean, I'm beginning to wonder if the entire country's gone mad. Uh, the idea that you remove the name of a historic prime minister such as Gladstone and you put in its place somebody whose parliamentary achievements are, uh, to put it bluntly, negligible. Uh, and who indeed can't actually add up, as we found out when she was uh, being asked about costing uh, her own uh, police policy. Um, I just wonder what on earth is going on. Now, if people want to remove Gladstone's name, that's bad enough and silly enough. Um, but really, then you would have thought they would have found somebody of equal stature uh, to name the park after. Uh, it's just total, total insanity. Total. And, and it is also proof that history is quite literally being erased now because, you know, yeah. this park in yeah. northwest London has been named Gladstone Park since the year after his death in 1898. I mean, this, this, is, well, yeah, a, this is a historic park. This is not overturning a modern decision. What we're effectively saying, or what the Labour Council 
uh, is effectively saying is that um, some people shouldn't exist. You know, they shouldn't be allowed to be remembered. And so we pretend they didn't exist. So we rewrite history so that we just sort of quietly, you know, erase their names. Now, you know, it's a bit like Stalinism in its way. Just sort of try uh, and erase the past and pretend it didn't happen if it happens to be inconvenient. But in fact, the past is so much a part of the present. And you can't just pretend the past didn't happen. Gladstone himself moved, as you've just said, over the subject of slavery. Britain moved over slavery. Britain became an enormous force in the world uh, for uh, making sure that the abolition was actually carried out. Um, And uh, our navy, uh, you know, patrolled the high seas, stopping slave ships. So uh, Britain went through that process. Gladstone went through that process. That is part of our history uh, and the history of the human races that we move uh, and we develop greater empathy and we develop greater morality. I mean, otherwise we would still be boiling people in oil. Mm. Um, you know, We move uh, and that is history. Um, and these people seem to think, well, you can just rewrite it. You know, you can pretend some people didn't exist. Colston didn't exist. Now, Gladstone doesn't exist. It is a nonsense. And then I think you're completely right. We need to celebrate the fact this is a man who did have that evolution over the course of his life. I mean, I note the fact that actually by the end of his life, Anne, he had the abolition of slavery as one of the 10 greatest achievements of the previous 60 years. And there's the brilliant quote from him where he said, it proved that the masses had been right and the classes had been wrong. I mean, I can't think of someone that we could learn from more. Exactly. And you'd think they they would put up a statue to him with that quote underneath and celebrate him. Uh, Instead of which, they're trying to pretend he didn't exist. Uh, And it is such nonsense. Uh, and it's something, I mean, the, the sad thing is the establishment is bowing down to this. It isn't just the loony left. Uh, you find this wherever you go. You know, mm-hmm. uh, instructions are issued about how you address people. I mean, good heavens above and the Lord's now, you're not supposed to say ladies and gentlemen, you're supposed to say folks. Well, I mean, I think folks is very familiar and matey and ladies and gentlemen is polite and respectful. Uh, but it, it's the sheer bowing down of the establishment. To what is quite honestly rot, total rot. And would what's the matter? With, what's the matter with them? <laughs> Do you know what? I feel your frustration on the sand. And if Diane Abbott Park ever becomes a reality, I think that's going to be the moment that quite a few people just say enough is enough. And Whitcomb, thank you so much. We'll speak next weekend. Dan Wilson here again. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of my podcast, Uncancelled. Did you like what you hear? Well, remember to subscribe, rate and review and join me for more newsmaking interviews, fiery debate and free speech on Dan Wilson tonight every Monday to Thursday from 9pm till 11pm on GB News. 